there was light. Good morning, church. You know, the, the psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So are you glad today that you are in the house of the Lord? I am. It's good to be back. You know, Eastside City Church is our home church. We've been here for 26 years, and Eastside City Church will continue to be our home church. My name is Wilner. Pastor Todd introduced me already, and together with my wife, we are the pastors of Lighthouse Missions Church, an extension of Eastside City Church in Northeast Calgary, Alberta. Pastor Todd mentioned a while ago about Lighthouse Missions Church. My wife and I founded this organization many years ago. And what Lighthouse Missions Church does is we do missions work in the Philippines. We planted many churches in the Philippines already, more than 30 churches. We also founded Bread Beyond Borders, the feeding program of Lighthouse Missions Church, where what it does is feed the severely malnourished children in the Philippines, help them with the school supplies, hygienic supplies, clothes, and food. And we also do food hampers here in Calgary. And so today, I know my time is short. I was told that <laughs> I have to obey. Yeah. <laughs> I will be sharing with you about going back to your first love. That's my topic for today. And so, how many of us still remember the day when we gave Jesus our lives, when we receive Jesus in our, in our hearts as our Lord and Savior. I'm sure you still remember that day when you asked Jesus to come into your life. Do you still remember the joy that you had, the unspeakable joy after experiencing salvation? How thankful you are to God for the gift of eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. How thankful you are for Jesus for paying the penalty of your sins on the cross. And probably to some of us, during salvation and the following days after, we probably experience healing, physical healing in our bodies because we might be sick or at the hospital just like me. When I asked Jesus to come into my life, I was at the intensive care of a hospital and I was told 12 hours to leave. And so as a desperate young man, I had no choice but to say, Lord, I really don't know you. But if you are truly God, give me one more chance and I will serve you. And God gave me another chance in life and I served him all the days of my life after that. And to some of us, after salvation, we probably experience the miracle of deliverance from harmful habits and the vices, addictions that are in our lives before salvation. Maybe addictions from drug, from alcohol, from gambling. I know before, before I came to know Christ, I loved to play cards. But as soon as I received Jesus in my heart as my Savior and Lord, my passion for cards was just gone. And the passion that I have is for Jesus. And after salvation, do you still remember how you loved Jesus? That Jesus was everything to you. That nothing else matters but Jesus. You just love Jesus that you spent a lot of time with him in prayer, in devotion, reading and studying the word of God. You also became passionate about the church. How that you can't wait for Sunday to come to church. 
And when the church doors are open during the week, you are there for Bible studies and for prayer meetings. And you also do some volunteer work in the church to prove that you truly love Jesus and the church that Jesus loves. But as months and years go by, fast forward, where are you now in your relationship with Jesus? Do you still love him the way you loved him before? Are you still passionate for him? Are you still on fire for him? Are you still serving him? Are you, are you still sharing Jesus to people? Where are you now in your relationship with Jesus? Is it still the same as before? Do you still have the same passion for Jesus? Or has it grown cold? If we are being honest, many of us will probably admit that we, don't have the same love, that we don't have the same love and passion that we once have for Jesus. We don't spend time, quality time with him anymore in our personal worship, devotion, and prayer. The passion we once had for Jesus is replaced with an acceptance of things as they are. We become so satisfied with where we are, with what we are doing and what we have, accomplishing the past, that instead of maintaining a passion for Christ, and for his kingdom, we lose our zeal for Christ and his kingdom. And so today our scripture paints a picture of a church who started well, but somewhere along the way, unknowingly, they have left their first love. That's why my title is Going Back to Your First Love. They allowed the good to replace the best in their spiritual lives. And so let's go to the scriptures. Join with me as we read in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, This thing says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. In verse 4, nevertheless, Jesus said, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. In verse 5, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. In verse 6, but this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. In verse 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the, to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to it from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your words. The Bible says that your words are a sharp double sharp-edged sword. And so today, Father God, we ask you to speak to us through your words. Help us, Father God, and help us to obey whatever you would want to say to us through your words. Be with us now as we break the bread of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as I continue, let me share with you a few things about Ephesus or the Ephesian church. There's a lot of things as I did my research about the Ephesians church, but I will just share a few things for the sake of time. Ephesus was a famous city in the ancient world. It was a center of 
tourism, and trade. It was a wealthy city and yet a very pagan city. It was home to the largest temple in the ancient world, the pagan temple of Artemis, also called Diana, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Ephesus was the city where Paul ministered for three years. Actually, the church of Ephesus was founded by Paul. During Paul's second missionary journey, he planted the church. But because he needed to go to Jerusalem, he left the church to Priscilla and Aquila. But shortly thereafter, after two years, he returned to Ephesus during his third missionary journey, and he stayed in Ephesus for three years. He made Ephesus as his missionary headquarters, and I believe that through the church of Ephesus, the other churches in Asia Minor during that time were planted because of the church at Ephesus, especially the seven churches of Revelation. And so, Ephesus was the city where Paul ministered for three years. Later in his life, while in prison, he wrote the New Testament letter of Ephesians to this congregation. And so the book of Ephesians helped us to understand the degree to which they have been taught the truth. They understood who they are in Christ, how to walk with Christ, and how to, how to engage in spiritual warfare. This church also existed during one of the most difficult times in all of Christian history. Beginning in 54 AD, with the emperor Nero, there was widespread persecution of Christians. The Ephesians church, however, had stood firm in, the faith, in their faith for Jesus, even in the midst of severe persecution. They refused to bow their knee to Caesar. They refused to declare, to declare that Caesar is Lord. Instead, they, they declare that Jesus is Lord. That's why in verses 2 and 3, Christ commands them. So let's start in verse 1. Jesus addressed his letter to the angel of the church at Ephesus. The angel of the church at Ephesus may be the pastor, the elder, or the bishop of the church. It's one who is representing the church. And uh, he describes himself to the church. After addressing to the letter to the church, he described himself to the church. He said in verse 1, this thing says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand. In chapter 1 of Revelation, the seven stars stand for the seven angels, which is the seven representative of the church. So he holds the seven stars. So he holds the pastors, the elders, the bishop in his hands. That's comforting. And it says here, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. The lampstand here, if we look back in chapter 1, it stands for the church. The lampstand stands for the church. And what does the lampstand do? They bring light. They light the place. So as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we should be a light to the community around us. We should be a light that people can see so that people can be attracted to Jesus. It says here that who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And one more thing that I observe here is the scripture said that who walks in the midst of the golden lampstands. So Jesus is here. Jesus is here in the church. He walks in our midst. Even while we're having our service today, he is here in our midst. 
That's why whenever we come to church, let us raise our expectations because Jesus is here. He can perform miracles. He can touch us and heal us. He can deliver us from anything and everything that we need deliverance for. He is here today. Let's raise our expectations that as we come to church, Jesus will touch us. And we will never be the same as we leave the church. And in verse 2, Jesus commended the church. Actually, as I was doing my study of the seven churches of Revelation, one of the things that I found out is the church at Ephesus, they have the longest commendation, two verses, actually three. Because in verse 6, Jesus said, But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. That's a commendation. So of all the churches, the church of Ephesus, has the longest commendation. That means they're doing well. And in verse 2, Jesus said, I know your works. And Jesus is not only saying this to the church at Ephesus, but he's saying this to us as well. He knows our works, the things that we do and we don't do, even the things that we do in secret. Every word that we say, he knows it. He knows where our heart is. Actually, the psalmist puts it this way in Psalms 139. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my uprising. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue. For behold, Lord, you know it altogether. We cannot really hide anything from God. He knows you and me. He knows our works. So let's read that again. He said, I know your works, your labor, your patience. See, there are church that's working. Your, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And in verse 3, and you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake. And have not become weary. And so from these scriptures, we can say that the church at Ephesus is not idle. They were busy, very busy working for the Lord. They have a vibrant ministry. They also took a strong stand against false teachings. They were well grounded in the word. Jesus said that, Jesus said that they do not tell, tolerate evil men and false apostles. They had withstood persecution and not fainted. They have endured much for the sake of Jesus and have not grown weary. In addition, they hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans are professing Christians who practice immorality and idolatry under the banner of spiritual liberty. And so from the outside, everything looked great. Everything looked great. They are busy for the Lord. They, they're doing a lot of good things. They're sending missionaries to plant churches. And for those good things, Christ commands them. Every good thing that we do, Jesus will notice it. People might not notice it, but Jesus notices it. However, after commending them in verses 2 and 3, he admonished them in verse 4. In verse 4, this is what Jesus said. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. That's a condemnation. 
He just commended them. Now he's giving them a condemnation. But I want us to notice that Jesus begins with the word nevertheless. Nevertheless means despite of all that. Despite all the things that you're doing. Despite all your labor, your patience, your perseverance. Jesus took into full account all the good in the efficient church. Yet despite all that, he had something against them. And that something against them is this. You have left your first love. They have left their first love. There is a big difference between losing and leaving. When you lose something, you didn't do it deliberately. It is by accident. You probably just misplaced it. But leaving is a deliberate act. They have left their first love. And this is very sad. Because they have a lot of commendation. They were probably surprised when their pastor is reading them Jesus' letter to them. They had started out strong. But over time, things had begun to change. They had lost their passion for Christ. The passionate love that had, that had burned within their hearts is not there anymore. What happens when we leave our first love? We begin to love something or someone more than we love Christ. We lose our passion and become cold in our relationship with Christ. We allow other things to sit on the throne of our lives and relegate Christ to a lesser place of importance. We still give lip service to Christ as Lord, but in our hearts, other things reign, and not Jesus anymore. We find little or no time for him on a daily basis. We don't pray anymore. We don't spend time of worship and devotion with Jesus anymore. We don't read the word of God anymore. The passion for becoming more like Christ is also diminished. We gave up on our, our quest to be more like Jesus. Instead of being concerned about the things that concern him, we become more concerned about ourselves and our personal desires. We don't seek the kingdom of God anymore and his righteousness. We don't come to church regularly. We only come when it's convenient to us. We understand that during the pandemic, there are restrictions placed upon Christians not to gather in church. There are numbers, certain numbers that they gave us that can only come to church. But now that the restrictions are over, we need to be found in the house of God. Because I mentioned a while ago, in the house of God is the presence of God. Jesus is here. Jesus is here to touch us, to bless us. We need to be found in the house of God. And not only that, we do not give our tithes and offerings anymore. Because that might deny us of some of the material things that makes our life more comfortable. Pastor Peter a while ago talked about, about giving. It is very, very important because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And if your treasure is Jesus, you will give him the minimum requirements that he is asking of us. And that's our tithes. He owns everything. He gives us everything. Why can't we not entrust to him the little portion of all the things that he's giving us? Actually, the Bible says that if we give our tithes and offerings, there is a reward. He promised us that he will open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing to us that we cannot contain it. And the opposite will happen if we don't give our tithes and our offerings. The windows of heaven will be closed. And as if you tied the hands of God, that he can release the blessing to you. 
That's why, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, do we need, does God need our money? Probably no, because he, he owns all things. But the church needs the money in order for the gospel to continue to move forward. In order for the church to continue to operate and to reach out to many people. Here's another thing. We do not witness anymore, for that would cause others to think that we are fanatical. So we became secret Christians and His Majesty's secret service. We begin to care more about what people or the world tells us more than what God tells us through His words. For us as believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, what matters most is what God tells us, thinks about us, not what others That's the kind of relationship many Christians have with Jesus today. And that said, I hope we are not those ones. And we wonder why we have no spiritual power. We wonder why we have not sensed the presence of God in our lives. We long to see miracles, but we don't see them. Church, Christ never asked for part of our lives. He asked for all of it. He never asked for a place in your heart. He asked for absolute rule and reign in your heart. He never asked to be one of many passions. He asked to be consuming passion of our lives. What Jesus wants for us is to love him like he loves us. He, do, he demonstrated his love for us on the cross. Jesus suffered and died for us, bearing our sins and Calvary's cross, not because he was forced to, but because of his great love for each one of us and his desire to bring us into relationship with the Father. Jesus has never lost his passion for us. Jesus loves us and wants us to return the love. He wants us to love him more than anything else, more than anyone else. Are we going to return the love today? Let's continue in verse 5. Jesus said, because he loves them, look at how he admonished them. He said, remember where you have fallen. What caused you to leave your first love? Maybe the cares of this world? Maybe the deceitfulness of riches? Maybe worries? What other things caused you to leave your first love? Jesus said, remember where you have fallen. And he said, repent. Repent is not a command to feel sorry. Repent is an urgent appeal for instant change of attitude and conduct before it's too late. And he said, do the first works. This means that we must go back to the very first, first things that we did when we first fell in love with Jesus. Let's love him again. Let's be passionate about him again. Let the fire for Jesus burn again. And he said, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. Jesus said he will remove their lampstand lamp out of its place. I shared with you before that a lampstand stands for a church. And not only that, lampstand gives light. So that means Jesus is saying, if you don't repent, I will remove your place and your light will be extinguished. 
They may continue as a church, but the power of God will be missing in their midst. And so today, what I, whatever happened to the, to the church at Ephesus, whatever happened to the church, the church at Ephesus died and the city around it. About three or four years ago, my wife has been privileged to be in Ephesus when we did the, the, uh, the, the tour of the churches of Revelation. It's a beautiful city, huge city. You can tell that even though it was built during the first century, it was very modern. But it died in the city around it. And so in verse 7, this is a general exhortation to all of us, to all Christians, even to those who are watching and listening online. Jesus said, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is where this message speaks to each one of us as individuals. Are we listening to what God is saying by His Spirit? This letter was not only written to the church at Ephesus during the Apostle John's day. It is written to us and to all Christians throughout the centuries. This message of keeping our first love is timeless and has eternal value. It is an important message for the churches of all ages. And if we do not listen to the Spirit, we will embark on a perilous journey in our Christian walk. And he continued in verse 7 by saying, To him who overcomes, I will give to it from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. The tree of life is first mentioned in Genesis chapter 2 verse 9. It is one of the many trees given to Adam and Eve for food and became of limits to them after their fall into sin. The word paradise speaks of the personal presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is what Jesus promised to the repentant thief on the cross. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. And so to those who overcome, to those who acknowledge that they have left their first love and will return to their first love again, to those who overcome, Christ promises continued intimate fellowship in paradise Sustained by the tree of life throughout eternity. In that day, church, we will never regret having loved the Lord in this life. And so as we close, what is God saying to us today? Let me personalize it. What is God saying to you today? He wants you to go back to that moment in time when you first met Jesus. He is asking you to remember where you once were in your walk with him, how passionate you are for him, that nothing else matters except him. I believe he is asking each of us to do the same thing he asked to the church of Ephesus. He is telling us to come back to the passion we once had for Jesus. He wants us to come back to him, to come back to our first love, to the place and time in our lives, where he was everything to us. That's where he wants us today. And so as we close, before we close in prayer, if you are here today and you are watching online, and if these words speak to you, maybe you're just very passionate, passionate for Jesus when you came to know him, when you gave your life to him. But somehow through the years, the passion have left. 
Jesus wants you to, to return to Him. Let me pray for you. You don't have to raise your hands. I don't want to embarrass you in any way. Because I'm sure we are probably all are guilty of that. But before we pray, maybe you are here today. And to those who are watching online. And you have not yet committed your life to the Lord. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He wants to start a relationship with you. He demonstrated his love for you. In that while you were, while you were yet a sinner. Living in your own way. He sent Jesus to die in your place. To pay for the penalty of your sins. Would you come to him today? Let me show you how you can do that. First, you need to confess that you are a sinner. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And then ask him to come into your heart and life and make him your, sa your savior. And so while every eyes are bowed and every, while every heads are bowed and every eye closed, we're going to pray a simple prayer, a prayer accepting Jesus in our hearts as our Lord and sa Savior. Please follow along with me and make it as your own personal prayer. Let us all say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay for the penalty of my sins. Today, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have said that prayer for the first time, I want you to know that you are now a child of God. God promises us in chapter 1 of John verse 12 that to as many as receive him, he gave them the power to become the sons and daughters of God. And so, will you please let us know, will you write to us Eastside City Church in our Instagram, in our Facebook page, in our website. Website. We want to hear from you and we want to be a blessing to you as you start your new life in Christ. Amen? Amen. So shall we pray once again as we close? Thank you, Lord. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your words today. The Bible declared that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it's profitable for teaching, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Father, I pray that today we are being reminded through your words how that when we first came to know you, how that you are our life. We love you so much. We are passionate about you. But somehow through the years, we became familiar with the things of Christianity and we have left our first love. Though we might still be busy serving you. We are busy in the kingdom, but not busy with the king anymore. Father, forgive us. We repent. And as, as we claim your forgiveness, we, we ask you, Father God, to help us go back to our first love. Let Jesus be our first love once again. Let we be passionate for Jesus. That Jesus will be our life. That we will speak about Jesus. We will talk about Jesus. We will share Jesus to others. That it will just be Jesus and nothing else. Father, thank you. I just want to thank you now for my brothers and sisters in Christ who are here, even those who are watching online. I ask you to bless them. I ask you, Father God, to watch over them, to keep them safe, especially nowadays, keep them from COVID-19. Thank you, Father God and Father, today for all that you've done and for what you will do. 
We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. For we ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.